Hey, Paisans, the time has come. On the air since 2009, the independently produced, non-FCC compliant champ of video game talk podcasting. Here comes Tiger Claw Radio. Here's your host, Critical Failure. Welcome, everybody. You're listening to Tiger Claw Radio. I'm your host, Critical Failure. It's been a bit. It has been a bit. Oh, yeah. Took some time off. Uh, played some video games. Hung around. Did my thing. And it's been a good time. It's been a good time. A lot of Grand Theft Auto. Still my, making my way through Grand Theft Auto 4. Um, I'm about... How far am I into that game? I looked it up, and it, and it says, you know, the internet says you can beat that game uh, in 40 hours or so. And I'm, what, just passing the 30-hour mark now? So I guess I've got a ways to go. Although, the more I play it, I've noticed that it feels like each mission at this point feels like, all right, this is going to be the last mission. This is going to be the last mission. Oop, pop, pop, fizz, fizz. Yeah, so... Uh, still a great time. Still a great time. Apart from that, I sort of did a deep dive on the Pico 8, um, which makes it for a uh, difficult conversation because it, it's the Pico... It, wh- wh- how can we touch base on uh, on a program that I've written from scratch? First of all, uh, not going to be as good as anything else you can get out there. Second of all, there's no common point of reference, uh, um, you know, uh, but I did manage to make some, like, solo RPG tools. Uh, not really a game, but, like, a simple program. So, you know, roll some dice or whatever, because it runs from the Ambernick and from the PalKitty V90. So, introduction to Pico 8 coding. I stepped through a tutorial on building a top-down adventure game on Pico 8, which was great, because that, that feels more like an MS-DOS game. Um, and... That's that's been pretty cool. Don't really have a whole lot I can share on that front, except that uh, Pico 8 is a good time. But not only is it a good time, the more I use it, the more I can feel myself turning into a stereotypical programmer. Uh, communicating with people <laughs> is becoming more difficult and that sort of thing. Um, but only a tiny bit. Still a good time. All right. We're still at the top of the show. I like to start off Tiger Claw Radio uh, with a chip tune, and I've still got the um, Battle of the Bits Commodore Quadrilogy sitting on my desktop, and I've been over to that website today. They don't have any new releases from this past week, um, although they do have four separate uh, competitions active right now. So I'm hoping, and you know, these things take time because they go through and they go through a um, you know a, a voting process and whatever. We'll have a bit more of a lull in you know their releases, and then maybe in a month or two we'll see like a like a a burst of a bunch of releases at once. So that's pretty cool. So uh, we're gonna check out the Commodore Quadrilogy one more time here on Tiger Claw Radio.
That's Bird Run. You're listening to Tiger Claw Radio. So, um, I do have, whoops, pop, pop. I do have a VanCast that I recorded at some point in the last couple weeks. Um, I can't remember much of what was said, but hey, let's go there now. You're listening to Tiger Claw Radio. And here we are on the road again. This is being recorded at 3.47 in the afternoon. It is my birthday. It's being recorded on March 6th. So today is the day we celebrate uh, me aging. (laughs) And speaking of bad decisions, um, I was hanging around on eBay looking at uh, PS1 games. Uh, I keep my eye open on new auctions and uh, specifically imports and stuff. And there was an auction for... Uh, Resident Evil 1 and 2 or should I say Biohazard 1 director's cut and Biohazard 2 uh, bundled together for uh, the PS1 import from Japan Um, this surfaced this morning and you know how it goes when when an auction drops uh, for a very low low price you know or whatever uh, but it has like six plus days on it, and it's like, all right, this is gonna end for more than that. It's okay, so I lowballed it because sometimes I, you know, you never know. Um, and that it's it's still like for those two games, uh, I think it's currently at like eight fifty or something. That's that's still pretty amazing. Um, I'm thinking I might. I'm waffly. I think I might be willing to go as high as like 25 bucks, which 25 bucks for those two, I think is still like crazy low. It's more than I've paid for a PlayStation game in a very, very long time. But, um, I don't know, man, even pre-internet, there were a handful of games where we knew a little bit, a little something about their Japanese counterparts, a handful of games. One of those games was the original Resident Evil. Everybody knew that the opening cutscene in the original Resident Evil was different in Japan. Something about it, I mean, there were rumors about it. Oh, so much bloodier, so much this or that or the other. Um, But we knew it was different. Sure enough, I mean, you can look it up and watch it. Watch the the introduction of the original Biohazard on YouTube and... it's, you know, it's not that different, I guess. This, it, it, but it was, you know, it's it gimped. It's gimped. It's gimped for American audiences. And the gameplay was adjusted for um, the American video game rental system uh, at the time. Although I don't know if that's still true with the director's cut. But yeah, I don't know. I think it might be kind of cool to have those. So we'll see. We'll see how high it goes. Um, You know, it's it's one of those things where it's like it's a PlayStation game, man. You know, just just get the just get the ISO file or whatever. But as long as it's not uh, bonkers, you know, it's not there's 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 no reason I can't get the disc. The discs are fun to have. Um, it's been the 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 OG PlayStation so far, at least in my experience, seems to be the easiest of all. Uh, the Japanese systems to get into as an American because I didn't have to buy any special hardware to do it. Um, I was able to do emulation with the actual discs. 
uh, which is has been great. You know, PS1 emulation these days, you know, if you're doing it from a computer, is is you know perfect. It's great. Uh, so that's cool. I mean, I, I've always loved those the, the original uh, Resident Evil series, even though nobody else seems to like it. Modern players don't seem to like it, and from what I'm told, the developers of the of the original Resident Evil games don't like it either. <laughs> but um, yeah, I like them. Tank controls were never a problem for me. Um, the, the, there was way more tension. Uh, it just seemed really cool. Uh, they still have a special place in my heart. And again, the the first Resident Evil game. That came out... I, I got desensitized to, uh, like, violent movies and stuff very late in life. I was not one of these kids that could watch all the, the scary movies and not be phased by it a little bit. Um, my buddy Angie was. Uh, and he got a hold of Resident Evil, and for him it was just like, yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of supposed to look like a scary movie, and it's pretty fun to play, and whatever. But, man, uh, that scared the pants off of me when I was little. Um... And uh, I think because of that, that's why it's so special to me now because of the impact that it had. It couldn't, it couldn't do that today, you know. Put that same uh, game in front of somebody who's that same age now, and it's just not going to have the same impact because of the environment. It was something unduplicatable, uh, and yeah. And uh, that's long story short. It'd be cool to have the uh, the import version. <clears throat> um, fooling around with the Embernic over the last couple days. Um, and uh, I looked at the uh, like the native Open Dingix games. You know, when you get a hold of one of these things, there's like some games that are just loaded onto it. Uh, um, you know, like Open Jazz or, or Open Tyrian or something like that. Um, well, one of them was Super Mario War, which I'd seen out before, but I was never able to get it to work. But this is the first time I tried it with the with the new like Atom operating system um, on the the Ambernec 280, uh, and it worked. So Super Mario War in my pocket. That's been pretty fun to play. But that's not reason the reason I bring uh, bring it up again. The reason I bring it up is because I came across a program called Easy RPG. And uh, as it turns out, it's uh, it's an interpreter for RPG Maker 2000 and 2003 games. So an interpreter, not to be confused with the ability to build you know games. It's not RPG Maker itself, but uh, supposedly I can get 2K and 2K3 games to run on my Ambernic, which makes me want to go back to 2K3 and work on that you know simple little game that I was building. Um, I got this program to run, but I have not yet tried to actually load a game into the interpreter for it to read and make playable. So that would be the awesomest of the awesome if I could get that to work. I would love that. That would be, to me, that would mean that the the old uh, ridiculous versions of RPG Maker, the ones that are routinely going for $2 and a dollar and whatever, that would make those the best ones in my mind. You know, to be able to play the games, you know, on an Ambernick. Um especially since there's uh, RPGMaker.net. You know, you can go get a bunch of uh, projects built by other people. Doesn't necessarily mean you have to make the games yourself. <clears throat> In fact, come to think of it, 
<clears throat> if you're downloading games, uh, you know, RPG Maker games from the internet to use on an interpreter, you don't really need to have RPG Maker, do you? So if you have one of these things, that's a whole nother, a whole nother can of worms that's, that's uh, left to explore, which is, uh, I don't know. To me, it's kind of exciting because I love the old RPG Maker games with all their flaws. To the average player, mm, you know, it's like whatever. I'm sure there's a handful of games that are standouts, um, but <laughs> RPG Maker games at their best are still RPG Maker games. Uh, all right, bear with me. I'm going to pick up Traffic Circle here. Traffic circles require a little extra attention. Yeah, there we go. Going to pick up my dinner for my birthday. Birth, B-E-R-F, birthday. Lest you get confused. And I like Chinese food, so that's what we're going to get. Because that's where it's at. All right, give me a second here. I think I'm going to be throwing this on pause so I can run in and get my meal. All right, I have acquired Chinese food. Um, while I was in there waiting, I was looking around on my phone, and I looked up a bit more about this uh, Easy RPG project. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, it, it's not it's not just a thing for, for you know, Open Dingux or whatever. They, it, they have it on a lot of platforms, like, you know, Linux and... Uh, Android and uh, uh, Windows and whatnot. And at first thought, I was like, what on earth good w would it do to have an RPG Maker uh, interpreter on Windows when you can just export the games to have, you know, an executable file and run all by themselves? But then it occurred to me, yes, but you can't do that on other platforms, only Windows. So then I was like, now, wait a minute. Does that mean I can get my RPG Maker 2000 games to play on my phone? Because that's kind of neat. Not even that I would really want to spend time doing that, but just the fact that that's an option. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. So that was fun. I kind of want to look into that a little more um, and see what kind of trouble I can get into, so to speak. Yeah, that's that makes a, an RPG Maker 2000 project... Uh, way more uh, viable, way more, you know, portable, which is awesome. So um, that's kind of cool, I guess. <laughs> it's tough to find time for games these days. It's even harder to find time to develop. Um, although, you know, I still like the idea that if you develop something, even if you develop something bad, you know, you have something for the fruits of your labor, um, which is kind of cool. I've given the the uh, fantasy console, fantasy platform thing another try. I messed with Pico 8 a little bit over the last couple days. Um, I still have not been able to really produce anything from just the raw code uh, using any of those devices. Um, but I think they're neat, you know? Something to be said, just for the fact that we have stuff like that these days. Uh, how we doing now? 11 minutes in? All right. I am a stone's throw away from Papa John's where I'm going to pick up pizza to go with our Chinese food because that's just how we roll. Um, I'm looking at two people who are out jogging right now, just getting in shape and taking care of themselves. And I'm like, you guys got it wrong. You got to eat Chinese food with stuffed crust pizza. 
And that's how you live. <laughs> it's how you live shorter, but it's how you live. And with that, I'm going to send you guys back to the studio. I'll see you there. Back again in the studio. This is now being recorded on the 10th, by the way. And since I made that, that auction for the uh, Resident Evil, you know, the, the, the original Japanese versions, Biohazard and Biohazard 1, that's still active. And the last time I checked, it was running at about 10 bucks. Let's see what we have now. So that's one that I was bid on. Yeah, 1350 so still very very low and uh, so I'm gonna let that chill for a few more days and uh, I'll bid again closer to the end because I don't want to drive the price up needlessly alright so uh, let's go back to the Battle of the Bits uh, Commodore Quadrilogy one last time here on Tiger Claw Radio <laughs> square wave with gotta move you gotta move buddy here it comes good stuff um that, as far as i know that album is still free on um on Bandcamp uh for now so go get yourself a copy it's not a long album when you look at the other battle of the bits releases but it is a really good one i've enjoyed this you know more than some of their releases that have come out and been twice as long while we're listening to some chiptunes, this is something I've been talking about on the Discord a little bit, is the uh, uh, chiptune compilation I've been working on uh, for CME. And that was something I started probably like seven or eight months ago, worked on a little bit, and then kind of put away. Well, I had a thread going over on Reddit, and a bunch of people came out of the woodwork. 
long story short, we're looking at how many here? Uh, 15 tracks right now, and I don't have a track on it yet. Um, so definitely going to be 16 uh, tracks minimum when it comes out. So this one's from Bitcrush, and uh, um, this is this was the first person to step up and get a spot. Um, Bitcrush on Tiger Claw Radio. Let's take a listen. We'll be right back. 
All right, we've advanced one day <laughs> since the last uh, bit. It's now the 11th uh, Friday morning. <clears throat> I spent last night playing Noble Maga's Ambition um, on the NES, which is... Um, oh, hang on a second. Let's see if we can take care of that. Yeah, there we go. Lying in bed, playing the Ambernack, and uh, I came across this game, Noble Maga's Ambition, pretty recently, and I think I mentioned it um, last week as well, but uh, I really dug into it last night and played it for like an hour and a half or something, which is a lot for me. Uh, and I'm just shocked how much um, they were in terms of scope into an NES game. Hang on a second. Let's see if I can take care of the static. There we go. I think we're better. Um, I know Koei games are what they are, and I've talked about this months ago, like when I was really exploring Japanese PS1 games. Got a hold of some of the, the Koei uh, games for PS1, you know, from Japan. Beautiful looking games. Oh my gosh, they look great. Wish I could play them. Not in English. Can't find an English counterpart. Um, but this was, exploring this game was really like, oh, hey, there is some in English. Not as much, but we have this series that ran all the way through uh, from the NES all the way up through, what, PS1 or so. Um, so I'm playing this this game, and uh, long, like, I, I don't know if I'd call it hex-based, because it's not, I don't, I don't think it's hex-based. Um, it, it's like tile-based combat that's offset, so it's not hex-based, but uh, pretty close. Um, yeah, right up my alley. And I didn't think there was any kind of strategy game like that um, until, you know, later on in consoles. This is an era where you could find that kind of thing on the on the computer, by the way. When did that come out? 1989? All right. So it would have been like... Uh, I don't have an answer for that. Yeah, shut up. It would have been like... Um, mm, what games were out? What strategy games were out in 1989? Well, we had... Uh, Reach for the Stars, which was one my dad had. You know, 4X, early 4X games on the PC. Um, I don't know if the original Civilization was out. I think that would have come out the next year, right? Uh, Master of Orion, all that stuff. There were, like, like a handful of, like, crazy deep titles. Didn't really have anything like that on the, on the uh, NES, you know, because the NES uh, target demographic was very, very different. Um, so this was like a weird game that sort of broke that mold. And, you know, that in mind, I'm, I wonder who it was made for. And it, I'm, uh, uh, when I say who it's made for, I'm talking about like Western audiences. Cause it's no surprise that we had something like that on the Famicom, but this game actually got ported to the West, right? There's an English official version of this game. And that kind of shocks me. Because there are a lot of games I think that would have suited Western audiences more uh, that didn't make it. Karateka um, yeah. for the NES. Perfect example. Super simple, stereoscoped combat uh, animations. Very fluid, very easy to play. Great game. Um, it's even conceptualized in the West. That's Jordan Mechner game. But the NES version, Famicom only, didn't get it on the Nintendo. <laughs> but we did get Nobumaga's Revenge, or Nobumaga's Ambition, I mean. Uh, 
which, you know, shocks me a little bit. <laughs> Especially because, like, the, the NES in 1989, right? So there was, like, three or four years out from the end of the life cycle. So it's not even, like, in that last wave of games. Uh, I don't know. Interesting, interesting, interesting little footnote uh, in, in video gaming history. Not something I'm going to realistically stick with for a long period of time. I'm probably going to sit down with it maybe once more and then move on. Um, but yeah, if you want to see a game that pushes the boundaries of the NES, play Nobumaga's Ambition. Play it at least once, even if you don't understand what's going on. Just take a look. It's bananas. It is bananas. Alright, let's read the fail bag so we can bring it home. Nothing new on the Discord, but I do hope you'll join us in the Discord because I need someone else to help me out with my terrible RPG spam bot game. <laughs> Epic RPG, which has been the biggest waste of time. But I do so enjoy it. But there is, was some stuff over on uh, the YouTube channel uh, in response to Hemrock's uh, awesome uh, guest host episode. Um, so give me a second here to bring that up. And... Here again, you know, it'd be good to stop the recording to do this, but just stop the recording too many times and it never gets done. And that's what I'm finding. So right now, I just want to make sure that we go all the way to actually get this done. Heading over to the studio. Ugh. All right. Comments. Pull that off. Drop back. Desm101. Good to hear from you, brother. 32 minutes in. I'm not against small game shops smell, uh, smelling, selling repros as long as they're forthcoming about it and make it very clear that they're not originals. The shops around my area do not have any repros, though. I do um, order them from systems like Sega Saturn since the original prices have skyrocketed. Super Game Boy is awesome. I recently got a Super NT and an FX Pack Pro. I'm able to load the Super Game Boy uh, ROM via the flashcard and open GB games that way. It's now my favorite way to play those classic Game Boy titles, especially uh, when the game has added backgrounds meant for a Super Game Boy. Yeah, cool stuff. I have never run into, um, I've never run into uh, a repro in the wild, with with the exception of a convention. And I think at a convention it's different, because the you you would see it at like a repro table or something. But I'm with you, man. I don't have a problem with uh, um, with you know, Somari for the NES is showing up at a uh, at a shop somewhere as long again as long as they're forthcoming. Because uh, you know, you take something that never came out in the West. Like, what's a game that never came out in the West? Uh, in America, we never got uh, the original Goonies game. We only had the Goonies two, but it did show up for Play, Play Choice ten. So there is an actual you know English ROM circulating around, but there was never an NES cart. So if you make a repro of uh, the of the original Goonies and you throw it in with retro games, you know people could give people who don't know any better could get the wrong idea of what did or didn't come out. Small things like that, but you know they can make history distorted. Um, and I think that's the only one from Desm. Good to hear from brother. Hope you're doing well. Uh, Mecha Menace. All right, give me a second here before I dig into Mecha Menaces because he's he's got a few things he wants to go over. Hmm. All right. What do you got for me, Mecca? 28 minutes in. When I sell something on eBay, I clean the item, make sure it works, and describe the faults. That game store may have cleaned up its appearance, but it's not performing at a professional level. Isn't that the duty of a store? 
Doesn't matter if they give you a refund, they wasted your time and energy, and they're going on blind faith that customers will clean games and make sure they work. That store sucks. I, anyways, I guarantee that that GBC card still worked. Somebody probably spilled soda on it, and the syrup solidified over the years. Sometimes that syrup can take a little more time to remove. But yes, you would have to go uh, take the card apart, clean it with some type of glass or surface cleaner before uh, cleaning, cleaning the pins. By the way, you definitely should open your GB boy and clean the reader pins. Some gunk probably got scrubbed off on the pins of the cart you inserted. In other words, your GB boy has been given an STD that will infect your other carts that you insert. Maybe it's only a little gunk, but you should probably scrub those pins uh, and the pins of the carts inserted um, since the encounter of the dirty cart. Also, I guarantee that Shenzhen needs uh, um, better cleaning. Firstly, I, uh, I'd go at the pins with an eraser uh, and wipe, the, wipe with a Q-tip um, in ISO. I guess isopropyl alcohol. Uh, then wipe bits of uh, the eraser away with a paper towel. You can still uh, see some of the black. Um, if you can still see some of the black gunk, it may need a very fine sandpaper, Mr. Clean eraser, or just some rubbing with a toothpick. Mostly the reason why I cleaned Shenzhen. Uh, I think the cleaned Shenzhen cart didn't work is because of the NES system pins were not clean. Uh, I think you know how finicky those things can be. Clean the 72 pin. Clean the connector on the board itself. I do this every six months to a year. Even when not in use, the thing uh, becomes a jerk. So with a screwdriver uh, um, at regular, um, so uh, and I go with a screwdriver at regular intervals. I really should be getting that blinking light win. Yeah, you know I've heard of the thing with using the eraser to clean the connection pins. That's an old trick. I think I only ever actually had to do that myself like a handful of times, and it's been a lot of years. But yeah, that's that's a thing. Uh, good tips from Mecha Menace, and he has one more. Uh, repros suck, and uh, if they label them as such, having very noticeable marks and sell them for dirt, I guess they're fine for a niche, uh, niche and niche crowd that wants hard copies of fakes. You have to be more discerning when buying expensive games and look into more details. If you suspect something is a repro, I'm more accepting of hacks and unofficial ports, like the GG to SMS ports, uh, though sometimes those have trade-offs and weird graphical glitches. I have a few hard copy hacks slash translations, and I refrain from filling my library with these. I've uh, been noticing 32x repros pop up on eBay during the past two years. I'm surprised the way that someone would invest in the technology to reproduce those. But hey, maybe they, uh, they see a profit in this pocket market. You know, I don't hold the same disdain for repros you do, Mecha Menace. I do think you should be, just like you, I do think that, that there should be honesty. I do think that you're going to run into a lot of problems with repros that you wouldn't otherwise. Like, I've, I've seen people, I didn't run into this, but my buddy Engie did. He bought a couple of repros at a convention, you know, five or six years ago, brought them home. They just didn't work, and there just wasn't anything he could do about it. So there's that. You know, uh, also repros, especially on the NES, they just they have problems with the labeling. You know, you know, that little top part of NES games where the label folds over. I don't know what it is about repros. They always have problems with that little part. Sega Genesis, too. But I don't know. There's nothing wrong with repros. You talk about a hard copy of fakes like. 
But you also mentioned the part that I'm going to bring up. My my counter to that would be, look, there's games you can get on a repro. You just can't get anywhere else. Sonic the Hedgehog is probably the most accessible example of this because there's a huge modding community behind Sonic the Hedgehog. And some of the better mods, you can order uh, repros of the mods, hard copies of the mods, for very, very cheaply. Um my favorite one, I think, would be the one that I got from Sendu, like the very first Sonic hack I got that way, which was the uh, Metal Sonic. It's a great game. Great game. Um, Sonic Heroes is also really good. But those, I mean, you know, three and a half bucks. A little of this, a little of that. Shows up in the mail. You're good to go. You got, you got a good time ahead of you. That's a repro. Um, but it's a different beast. And I think the reason why repros cost what they do is because because uh, uh, people have to buy equipment to make them. Like you can get an EEPROM reader for 50 bucks. You can buy a stack of chips. You can buy a stack of uh, empty carts. You know, the, the, those things add up. So that stuff takes work just like any other craft. It's different from buying a game that was assembled, you know, 40 plus years ago. Uh, and just still works because it's been hanging around all that time. Those games, you know, had their retail price paid at one point. A repro doesn't. Uh, the only problem I have with repros was in the early days of repros, they were only really made by uh, cannibalizing existing carts. I don't like that practice. In the beginning, that would produce a more reliable repro. Um, but, you know, we'd see the destruction of old games as a result. Nowadays, uh, it's easier to uh, get a hold of, like, not just a, a donor cart, but, like, a reproduced board, like a, a brand-new board with a brand-new shell, and then uh, new EPROMs and, and everything from the ground up. That stuff is great. Come on, Mecha Menace. Come on, man. Tell me there's not a repro that you wouldn't love to have. Tell me there's not one single repro. <laughs> Mecha Menace. It's your collector. I get that because you have the collector brain. Uh, one uh, example I have that I think you would disagree greatly, greatly on is I have my copy of uh, Splatterhouse 2 for the Sega Genesis, and it's a reproduction. And I got it for that cheap, you know, Sega Genesis price that I told you about. So it was like 350 or something. It was dirt cheap, just like you said. I love my copy of Splatterhouse 2 because... Gameplay-wise, Splatterhouse 2 is very memory-oriented. It's very er like early action arcade. It's not very sophisticated in terms of gameplay. Splatterhouse is what it is because of how it looks, you know? But it still plays like an old game. Sorry to say, it's a little clunky. I mean, it's near and dear to my heart, too, but it's not perfect, you know what I'm saying? It's not one of these games you, like Metal Storm for the NES where you pay a big price, you get it, and you get some sort of evolved gem that plays a cut above everything else. No, no, that ain't what it is. You want to get a hard copy of Splatterhouse 2, it's going to really cost you. Uh, and I think it costs a heck of a lot more than it's worth, in my opinion. I'm sorry. This is, you know, hot take from CF. Fun game. I'm not trying to talk trash about Splatterhouse. I just think the price is way overinflated. It's an example of this, you know, uh, uh, us old um, uh, guys chasing these uh, retro games. This is an example of that market just you know, exploding and, and being, you know, a little bit too big for its britches. Uh, let's see what one of these things cost. Splatterhouse 2 Authentic. And I know this is going to be an inflated price. 
we're talking cart only. Yeah, there it is. Buy it now. $92.99. And let's take into account that I'm looking at the very first one and you could probably stock it and get it for like three quarters of that. That's still a lot of money, brother. Splatterhouse 2 Sega Genesis custom game tested 32. That's a repro. Better repro than mine, but <laughs> my repro was Splatterhouse 2. Oh, no, here's an authentic one uh, that's at auction for 65 bucks. That's still pretty expensive, man. Still pretty expensive. Um, I feel like $65 is a little bit more in the realm of reality. It's more than I would pay, but that's more what I would think of as like, hey, this is an expensive game. Um, my copy, like the label work, is just absolutely terrible. Long story short, there is no mistaking my copy of Splatterhouse 2 as a reproduction. You, you, there's, there's just no way. Um... Like, if I were to do a video of my Sega Genesis collection and I got to Splatterhouse 2, I would pick it up and say, this is my garbage remake or my garbage repro of Splatterhouse 2, right? It's not like a game that... The, the shell doesn't look like the original version. The label doesn't look even close to the original version. It's flapping all around. It's, it's not... <laughs> this is not a fake I guess it is a fake, but it's not a good fake. It's not one that's designed to be indistinguishable from the original. Oh, and if you have a trained eye, you can notice the differences. No, 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 no. This is a, a ROM on a cart, and that's it, with a cheap sticker. And because it existed, I was able to play Sp uh, Splatterhouse 2 on my uh, on my Genesis. You know, and it's, it is, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I would love to hear your thoughts on it, Mecca, because that's something I have that I enjoy that goes quite contrary to a lot of your beliefs. So let me know, brother. Uh, last one, he says, not only does uh, Super Game Boy offer a wider color palette, and color palette and special borders, but when used with certain games, it unlocks, special, uh, unlocks features like two-player mode without linking a Game Boy or an additional, uh, um, additional game on the cart. What games? I've never heard of that. That is awesome. I've always known about the, like, the, the, the special borders, but around the time the Super Game Boy came out, like, like pre-Pokemon, I remember nobody having a link cable. I remember asking around, oh, you got a Game Boy? You got Tetris? You got a link cable? And there was always a no in there somewhere. <laughs> so I would be interested to hear about what game. Super Game Boy was, was super... It was super awesome is what it was. Yeah, I, I was way more into it um, back in those days. These days, uh, a little bit less just because there's more options when it comes to playing the old Game, game Boy games. Um, like if I'm not going to play it on like uh, a Game Boy Color or like a Game Boy Pocket or something or an actual Game Boy, then I'm, I'll probably just move to some sort of emulation machine uh, just because I think at that point there's... I don't know. There, there's ways to do it where it looks better. Although I will say this. Uh, if you're using your Super Game Boy, you know, and you're a Pokemon player, then you can chill out and play your Pokemon game on the TV without having to, like, shuffle saves around, you know? Um, so so there's that. It's, it's, it's definitely cool. For a long time, Super Game Boy stuck out to me as the way to get pictures off of your Game Boy camera. And I have a Super Game Boy that I've held on to for decades, and that's what it got used for. 
Um, <laughs> I had a, I got a, I have a Game Boy camera that Hemrock gave me. I took pictures of my oldest son when he was one year old. By the way, he's 12 now. Uh, and those pictures, which at the time were just like, hey, I got this Super Game Boy. I, I, excuse me, I got this Game Boy, uh, Poc, uh, ga this Game Boy camera. I'm having a hard time talking. My brain's starting to go. Um, let's just take some pictures and have some fun. I didn't realize these were, these were going to be like, you know, pictures that were near and dear to my heart. But sure enough, you know, if you're a parent, you, you know it. Kids grow and they grow faster than you realize in the moment. Uh, as my wife likes to say, and I think she's spot on, she says the days are long, but the years are short. That's something she said a while back that really stuck with me. Uh, and, and there you go. Now I have these Game Boy uh, camera pictures of my little boy before he could talk or walk. And now he's telling fart jokes and stealing, <laughs> stealing the Game Boys out of my office. Uh, so, yeah. I don't know. Much love for the game for the Super Game Boy. It was a it was a beloved piece of my collection for a long time, although I haven't used it in quite a while. Um, and then we've got yeah, <laughs> on my video about the Ambernick uh, 280V versus the PAL KDV90, someone says someone got FF7 to work. You love to hear it. Yes, indeed, you do. Uh, and that is it. That is it for TCR this week. Um, we're almost at the 50-minute mark. I had a lot of difficulty putting this one together. Uh, but it, I, I got to say, it feels good to be back on the air after a couple weeks off. I hope everybody is doing well. Uh, take care of yourselves. And I want to say I'll see you next week. But uh, at, at this rate, I might be dropping to one every other week. Uh, so stick with me. I'll see you as uh, soon as I can. Take care.